Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Bibles, open them up, please, to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter number 8. We're going to really just use this as a, as a springboard from Daniel chapter number 8, verse 23, through verse number 27 or so. And we're going to continue our, our summer series on end-time prophecy. I guess back uh, a month or so ago, whenever the guy from out west predicted that on this particular date, I even forget the date now that he said... Uh, that the world would come to an end or the return of Christ would take place or whatever. And of course, that, that piqued a lot of interest, a tremendous amount of questions uh, from a lot of different people. And so I thought it'd be good for us to take the summer and just go through a, a summer series and see what the Bible has to say about end-time prophecy. Now, we've already covered two subjects, and we're trying to take these in progression. Uh, the first message that we shared in this series is answering the question, are we really living in the end times? And then, of course, we, uh, we unpack that, that thought process. And you can actually go on our podcast and listen to those messages if you've missed them. And any of these, they'll be posted usually by Tuesday of each week. And you'll be able to hear all of these. Last week, or actually the week before last, last week was Father's Day. We took a break. But prior to that, the week before Father's Day, we talked about the rapture of the church. Now, the next prophetic event to take place on God's calendar is the rapture of the church and how we as Christians, we need to be prepared for that. We need to be ready. And, of course, the only way to be prepared and to be ready is to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And once we have that established, then the rest of it will pretty much take care of itself. Today, I want to share with you and talk briefly. And, and boy, there's, there's so much to share on this topic but I want to share with you what does the Bible have to say about the Antichrist. Uh, there's a lot of uh, speculation out there. There's a lot of uh, different opinions. Matter of fact, whenever you get into eschatology uh, and you start studying the doctrine of last things, you'll find that there's a lot of different churches, a lot of different Christians, a lot of different people have a lot of different views, a lot of different opinions. Well, as I've said in the past, I'll, I'll say again, you know, it really doesn't matter what our opinion in is. What really matters is what thus saith the Word of God. Uh, we at Victory Church, we put the Bible on a very, very high level. This is the final authority in our lives and in our doctrine and everything that we do and say and believe. So we want to just go to the Bible. And we just want to pull out of God's Word some of the... Here we are once again on the church property today. We want to go to the Bible. We want to pull out... Of, of, what, of God's Word, what God's Word has to say about some of these, uh, these end-time prophecies and these end-time events. So today we want to talk a little bit about what does the Bible have to say about the Antichrist. You may ask the question, why even do an end-time prophecy series? Well, I think there are several reasons why we should do this. Number one, there are many. 
that sit in our church pews or our, for us, our, our metal chairs uh, every Sunday that really doesn't know what the Bible has to say about end time prophecy. We've heard it preached on a little bit here, a little bit there, but we really haven't unpacked it and we really haven't dug in. So I think because there are so many that do not know what lies ahead for the Christian and what the Bible has to say about the end times, I think it's a good reason to unpack it so that we can gain knowledge of what God's Word actually says. Another reason why I think we should study end-time prophecy is because we need to be prepared. You see, see, this thing called Christianity and this thing called church, it's just not something we do. It's not a social club. It's just not something we do to take up time on Sunday morning. I mean, listen, we are, as believers in Christ, we have engaged in a spiritual battle. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hunt or or a, a hell to shun. And what we need to do, we need to get serious about our faith and realize there is a God in heaven. And one day, he is coming again. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. And we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Another reason why I think we need to study kind of piggybacks on that because time is short. And we simply need to hear the truth. Since Adam and Eve... There have been over 40 billion people that have lived on this earth. You go back in history, and I know there's some history buffs that are here, and my son loves history, and he'll come home from school and talk about a lot of different things he's studying in history, and I enjoy history. I primarily enjoy the segment of church history and religion, but I, I enjoy history. And there's been a lot of powerful men through the years, through the centuries, A lot of powerful individuals that have come on to the scene. But I promise you, church, there will never be one outside of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There will never be one that will come on the scene that will be as instrumental as the Antichrist will be. He will be an individual that will be powerful. He will be deceitful. He will be very intellectual. He will be brutal. He will be ruthless. He'll be very efficient. And I guess I ask the question, is the world ready for such a man? Well, today I want to try to share with you, and and I'm tag-teaming preaching this with the other pastors in our church, and Brother Daniel and I did, uh, have have already done one. Uh, Brother John Pratt's going to help me today, and and then we're just going to tag-team a little bit just to mix it up, try to do a little bit something different for the summer so you can hear all these guys and they all get a little bit of time to share instead of just hearing me every Sunday. So I want to try to unpack about four different things about the Antichrist. Whenever we dig into God's Word, I want us to really just plainly just see what God's Word has to say about the Antichrist. I want us to look at His appearing. I want us to talk a little bit about His abilities. I want us to look at His abominations. And then I want us to wrap it up with looking at some of His afflictions. And we're going to be unpacking a little bit of what the Bible has to say. Are you there in Daniel chapter 8? We're going to use this as a springboard. We're going to be in a lot of different passages of Scripture. Keep your Bibles out or your iPhone or iPad or whatever device that you have God's Word on, get that out, get ready to scroll and look at some of these passages of Scripture as we start unpacking a little bit about what the Bible has to say about the Antichrist. Now, in Daniel chapter 8, we're really just going to pick up in verse number 23. There's a vision, a dream, a vision that Daniel has, and, and then there's the interpretation of the vision beginning in verse number 15 or so of Daniel 8. But we're going to come down to verse number 23. When we get down to verse number 23, here we find this powerful, fierce king that is coming onto the stage. And this will be 
the Antichrist. It says, near the end of their kingdoms, when the rebels have reached the full measure of their sin, an insolent king, skilled in intrigue, will come to the throne. His power will be great, but it will not be his own. He will cause terrible destruction and succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the powerful along with the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper through his cunning and by his influence. And in his own mind, he will make himself great. He will destroy many in a time of peace. He will even stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be shattered, not by human hands. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. Now you must seal up the vision because it refers to many days in the future. I want you to pay attention to verse 27. I, Daniel, after he had this vision, I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for days. And then I got up and went about the king's business, but I was greatly disturbed by the vision and could not understand it. When Daniel received this vision and then the interpretation of the vision, the result of trying to comprehend all of this, the Bible says he was overcome by all of that and it made him sick. He was very disturbed. Now, I'm, I hope and pray that we as believers, I hope this stirs us a little bit. Not because of fear. I don't fear the Antichrist. And none of us as believers should ever fear the Antichrist. As I shared with you when we're talking about end time prophecy and we're digging into God's word and we're seeing what God's word has to say about the end, it should not cause us to fear, but it should cause us to live more by faith, trusting in God even more. So I'm sharing all of this not to get you to the place where you are overcome by fear, but I want you to see what God's word has to say and it should stir great concern in our hearts because this word is true. Amen? This is just not what some commentators say. This is the word of God. It's true. And the things that are said in God's word will come to pass. Therefore, it should concern us a little bit when we have family members and loved ones and friends and associates and individuals in our lives that we know are not ready for the Lord's coming. And they haven't made preparation for the end time, whether it be death that they face before the end time comes or end time itself. Guys, this life is all about making preparation for the next. And so as believers, I hope and pray this doesn't cause fear in your heart and in your life because it shouldn't. The love of God cast out and removes all fear. Amen? We do not have to live in fear. But I hope it stirs us as it stirred Daniel. It made Daniel sick. And I hope it troubles us a little bit to the point that it causes us to be greatly concerned about individuals in our life that may not be ready to meet the Lord. and Certainly not prepared for the Antichrist. I want to look at several different things as we talk a little bit about the Antichrist. I want to try first of all to unpack a little bit about the appearing of the Antichrist. Look if you will in verse number 23 of Daniel chapter number 8. The Bible says near the end of their kingdoms when the rebels have reached the full measure of the sin an insolent which means a proud and an arrogant king skilled will come to the throne. 
Now here our text is telling us that in the end times that a fierce king will stand up. But the question is, what are some of the signs of the end time? What are some of the signs of this king coming to the front? When will this fierce king appear? What are the signs of his appearing and when will he appear? Well, you know, I don't know that I can answer all of those questions. I do know this. I am certain that no man knows when. Hello? Nobody knows. Nobody knows when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. We do know that the Antichrist will not be revealed. Now, he may be alive, but he will not be revealed until the church is taken out, until the church has been removed. We do know that. So I do not know when he will appear. I do not know exactly when the Antichrist will come. But I do know God's word shares with us some of the signs of his appearing. Some of the signs, if you will, of the end times that will take place. Now I covered a whole message primarily on this, but I want you to look at a few things here. Number one, the first thing we see is the condition of the world. We know that whenever the Antichrist comes on the scene, whenever this man makes his grand entrance, that the world will be in terrible moral condition. I don't know, just that statement alone lets us know that for the most part, our world is ready, already to receive. Simply because we look at the moral condition of our culture and our society and our world today, it has to be at an all-time low. And I believe that sign is revealed by two passages of Scripture. I'll read them to you real quickly. may need to jot down these references. But in Luke chapter 17, in verse 26 through 27, listen. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. And how were the days of Noah? Verse 27. People went on eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. I mean, there was eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and divorce. And now all this was taking place. We look in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. The Bible says, but know this, difficult times will come in the last days. For people, get this now, here's a whole list of things of the last days. Some of the signs, the condition of the world in the last days. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unlo unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power thereof. I mean, does that not pretty much wrap up our, our world today? I mean, those are some of the signs of the end time. And I believe the condition of the, of the world today, I believe our world is ready. I believe our world bears the marks of the fulfillment of some of these conditions that are mentioned in Luke 17 and 2 Timothy 3. So the condition of the world, we see the signs there. What about the corruption of religion? Let's look at that just for a moment. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 3, we're still talking about some of the signs of the appearing of the Antichrist. Not only will the condition of the world be in an all-time low as far as their, their, their moral condition, but the corruption of religion will take place. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 3. The Bible says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day, what day? The end times, what he's talking about there. The day of the coming of the Lord. 
that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And then the man of lawlessness is revealed. That man of lawlessness is the Antichrist. But we do know that the Bible says that he will not be revealed until the apostasy comes first. And then sudden destruction will take place. Now what's that talking about whenever it's talking about apostasy? It means that religious apostasy will be taking place. This refers to a time when organized, visible religion would depart from the doctrines of God. Guys, you know what? And I don't know how much engaged you are in all of this. But when you go out and you see what other churches are teaching and what other preachers are preaching, what other so-called reverends are accepting and rejecting in the Word of God, it's almost like they go to God's Word and they treat it like a Sunday afternoon buffet. And if they like it, they take it. If they don't like it, they cut it out. I mean, they're, they're just kind of living in the dark. Oh, I don't like that. That's convicting. That's too hard. That's harsh. I don't like that. It's not good in our culture today. Let's just remove it. You know what that's called? That's called apostasy. Apostasy of, of the faith, apostasy of religion, rejecting the Word of God. Re apostasy for the doctrines of the Word of God is going to be one of the signs. Religious apostasy, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 3. I hope everyone understands here today that just because a church or a denomination calls itself a Christian church or a Christian denomination or a Christian organization does not necessarily mean that it is a Christian group. I mean, there was a day. I remember a day growing up, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. But there was a day when somebody said, hey, I'm a Christian. Man, you just immediately had a bond with that individual because you knew they stood for the doctrines of the Word of God. I mean, when someone used to say that they're a Christian, you knew immediately there were... Now, there were a few little differing doctrines, but as far as the fundamental doctrines of the faith that it takes to be a child of God, you knew that you had common ground with these individuals when they claimed to be a Christian. I mean, I'm talking about doctrines like the virgin birth of Christ. I'm talking about doctrines like the substitutionary death and the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the doctrine of the return of Christ. I'm talking about the doctrine that says the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. I'm talking about those doctrines. But we're living in a day today when just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't necessarily believe they, or state that they believe in those doctrines. There is an apostasy of religion taking place even in our day today. Would you agree? How things have changed. Because now today someone will claim to be a Christian but they would deny the virgin birth of Christ and still claim to be a Christian. You can't. Hello? I hope this is not too hard on Sunday morning. You okay? A person may call themselves a Christian and cast doubt on the accuracy of the Bible. I don't believe so. A person may doubt that Jesus really died and rose again and still claim to be saved and be a Christian. I don't think so. You see, I believe that the Bible tells us that one of the signs of the appearance of the Antichrist will be this apostasy, this great falling away from the doctrines of the Word of God. Now, let me just say this, folks. When denominations have to take votes on whether to marry homosexuals 
or to allow homosexuals to be ordained in their denomination. I just want to state something's wrong. I know it's not politically correct, but it's the Word of God, folks, and we've got to stand by it. One of the things that just ate me to the crawl, the Belleville News Democrat, just a few weeks ago, whenever Illinois... Can I say this without offending too many people? I hope so. Well, this is what we're preaching on. This is what we stand on, so I might as well say it. You're going to figure it out sooner or later. Hello? I was so troubled. Number one, that Illinois even passed the same-sex marriage agreement, law, whatever it is, however it's documented in the books. I was troubled with that. But you know what? I kind of expect the unsaved non-Christians, those that do not know Christ as their Savior, I expect sinners to sin. I mean, that's what they do. A dog barks because it's a dog. A cat meows because it's a cat, right? A dairy cow gives milk because it's a what? Dairy cow. A sinner's going to sin because they are a sinner. I mean, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I mean, it's, it's untelling the sins that you'll get involved in. So to see the, the homosexual movement out in the world... I mean, as troubling as it is, it's almost expected because I tell you, without Christ in your life and Him being the mainstay of your life, it's untelling how far we'll go in sin. I feel like I'm the only one standing here today. I hope and pray you're with me. But what troubles me is when the church that claims to be Christian, that claims to be ordained ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what troubles me is when they embrace that. Did you see in the Belleville News Democrat just a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago now, whenever it first came out, there at the St. Clair County Courthouse, standing there and getting their legal papers to make their same-sex union legal, stood two Methodist ministers. You say, you shouldn't have told the denomination. I'm not saying all Methodists are for this, but I'm just telling you what was in the paper. Boy, I wish I could hide. I shouldn't have got a transparent podium. <laughs> That's troubling. You know, guys, What's some of the appearing, some of the signs of the appearing of the Antichrist? Yeah, the condition of this world is going to be in an all-time low. The moral condition. But there's going to be corruption of religion. Guys, I got to go on. I got, man, alive, I got to move. Let me, quick, another, another sign here is the completion of the church. The completion of the church. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 6 through 8. Now get this verse of scripture. And you know what currently restrains him? That him is the Antichrist. You know what's restraining him? You know what's hindering him? You know what's holding him back so that he will not be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. But get this. But the one now restraining will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. That lawless one is the Antichrist. When will he be revealed? When that one that is restraining him is taken out of the way. That one that's restraining him is the person of the Holy Spirit of God that's keeping the Antichrist from being revealed. When the, when, when the Holy Spirit of God is taken out of the way, then the Antichrist will be revealed. 
But you know what else will take place when the Holy Spirit of God leaves? Guess who's leaving with him? The church. When the Holy Spirit leaves, we're leaving with him. That's the rapture. We talked about that the other week, and I hope you got that. Listen, the completion of the church will mark the appearing of the Antichrist. Let me go on number two. Get this one. Not only the appearing, there's a whole, there's a whole message in the appearing, but I got to move. Not only the appearing of the Antichrist, the abilities I want you to see of the Antichrist. We see in Daniel chapter 8, verse 23b, it says, I looked and there was a white horse. Or I'm sorry, in Daniel 8, 23b, it says, he will come to the throne. Quickly look at Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 2. Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 2. This is another reference to the Antichrist. It says, I looked and there was a white horse and the horseman on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out as a victor to conquer now here in Revelation 6-2, we have another picture, if you will, of the Antichrist. And here's, let me give you about four things real quick. Jot, jot these down. As a matter of fact, if I have all four of them on the, on the screen, go ahead and put them up there so they can be writing all these down. Number one, he will be a man of popularity. He'll be a man of popularity. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 2 says he was given a crown. Whenever the Antichrist comes on the scene, the peoples of the world, they will embrace him as a godsend. He'll arrive on the scene with a workable formula for world peace. Hello? He will be able to come and give a viable explanation of the disappearance of all the Christians and all the believers. He will embody all the world has ever looked for in a leader. I love what Adrian Rogers has to say about this. Adrian Rogers has said that the Antichrist will possess leadership like a George Washington, eloquence like a Franklin Roosevelt, charm like a Theodore Roosevelt, charisma like a John F. Kennedy, popularity of Dwight Eisenhower, the po political savviness of a Lyndon Johnson, and the intellect of a Thomas Jefferson. This will be a leader that will come on the seen like the world has never seen before and he will be a very very popular man hello the second thing we see about him some of his abilities he'll be a man of peace look what the bible says in revelation 6 2 i looked and there was a white horse the reference of a white horse gives him the appearance of good the horseman on it had a bow notice he had a bow but he has no arrows you know what that indicates? That indicates that he will not be coming to make war. He'll be coming to make peace. We can read about more of that in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 27. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, he's going to sign a seven-year peace treaty for the people of Israel. I mean, listen, this world is hungry for a leader that will come not to make war, but to make peace. This world is ready to accept a leader that will come not to make war, but to make peace peace this world is tired of war the economies are in need of help people want to prosper they want to dwell in peace they want to dwell in safety the world will, world will readily embrace a man with a message of peace oh, I gotta go but we know there's only one way to have peace and that's in the person of Jesus Christ hello John 14 27 Jesus said peace I'll leave with you my peace I give to you I will not give to you as the world gives your heart must not be troubled or fearful the only way we can have true peace is in the person of Christ there's a whole message in that I gotta go he will also be a man of prosperity listen this will be a wealthy man he will get control Daniel eleven forty three says he will get control over the hidden treasures of gold and silver and over the riches of Egypt 
Revelation 13, 16 says that he will require everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on his right hand or in his forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark and the beast's name or the number of his name. Listen, the Antichrist will eventually control the wealth of the world. He will bring prosperity. Hello? Oh, there's a whole, oh man, there's so much more. This should be, this should be a year-long series. And you know what? If we had our Wednesday night, when we get in our building, we'll do stuff like this. We'll break it down. We'll slow it down. And we'll take a year to preach about some of this stuff. But in our current setup, this is about the best we can do. We'll just kind of whet the appetite. The last one, he'd be a man of power. Revelation 13, 7 says, And he was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. And the Bible says also he was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all those who live on the earth will worship him. The Antichrist will eventually rule the entire world. He will be a man of power. Well, I've covered a couple things. I've talked to you a little bit about the appearing of the Antichrist. I've talked to you a little bit about the abilities of the Antichrist. This is the old tag team wrestling thing taking place here. So I'm going to, uh, he's coming to the center ring and we're going to bust knuckles here and tag. And I'm going to let John share with you a little bit about the abominations and the affliction of the Antichrist. Amen. Good to see everybody here today. Uh, we've talked about the appearing. Uh, and at the beginning of the seven year tribulation, you know, the Antichrist comes on the scene. And uh, there's going to be three and a half years that peace reigns, okay? He's going to reestablish the. Uh, uh, the temple, uh, daily sacrifice for the Jews and so on. But now we're getting into uh, the abominations of the Antichrist when he comes on the scene, the last three and a half years of the tribulation. And there's certain things that he's going to do. Now remember back uh, at the beginning, Pastor told you what uh, uh, some of the, these uh, attributes of the Antichrist are. He's going to be powerful. He's going to be deceitful. He'll be very intelligent and brutal. So these last three and a half years of the uh, tribulation, we're going to see where he's going to do a complete 180 and start an attack on the people of God. In Daniel uh, chapter 7 verse 25, it says he will speak words against the Most High and oppress the Holy Ones of the Most High. He will intend to change religious festivals and laws and the Holy Ones will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. Now remember, this man has brought about peace. He's allowed the temple to be rebuilt. He's allowed the Jews to start sacrificing again. Then we see that turn. And the Antichrist is going to break his covenant with Israel. And he's going to start an attack on the people. Now, uh, if you read your history books and, and uh, Hitler and Stalin and so on, we saw where these men... And, and there's been some say that, oh, these were the Antichrist. And I believe there was, a, there was a spirit of the Antichrist involved here, but these were not the Antichrist. But they tried to wipe out the Jews. Uh, these, uh, unlike the, uh, the Antichrist, uh, he's given the authority over every people, over every tribe, over every nation. Hitler, Stalin, these men didn't have the authority that's going to be placed with the Antichrist. More than anything, this man will hate everything having to do with God. Everything having to do with Christ. And he's going to lash out at the Jews this last three and a half years of the, of the tribulation. So he's going to attack the people of God. And he's going to turn his attack towards the Prince of God, the Prince of Peace. 
In Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, it says, He will even stand against the prince of, uh, of princes, yet he will be shattered, not by human hands. Okay? He's going to stand. He's going to do his best to stand against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but he's not going to be able to. Here we're told that the Antichrist is going to stand against the prince of princes, none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And it appears that anything having to do with godliness, anything having to do with Christ, is going to be the focus of his attacks. And again, we go back to the beginning, when he's powerful, he's deceitful, he's brutal. These are going to be brutal attacks. It's going to, they're going to be bloody attacks. And we're going to, uh, people of God at this time are going to be handed over to him. Parents are going to hand over their children. Children are going to hand over their parents. Friends are going to hand over their friends. And he's going to make every effort to stamp out the name of Jesus Christ across the entire earth. Now while he's doing this, our Lord is raising up an army of young Jewish men. And it's the 144,000 we read about in Revelation chapter 14. And they'll go throughout the world preaching the gospel. See, as hard as he tries to stamp out what the Lord has set in place, he's going to fail. He's going to fail. The Antichrist is going to be powerless to stop him. And in the midst of all this chaos, we need to remember that God is still on the throne. We read the end of the book. We know how it all ends. So for us as born-again believers to sit here and be afraid for ourselves, I believe it's a moot point. We don't need to be afraid because, like I just said, God is still on the throne. What we need to be is afraid for our loved ones and our friends that don't know Jesus as their Savior. Not only is he going to attack the people of God, not only is he going to attack God himself, he's going to attack the place of God. He's going to attack the place of worship. Now remember, at the beginning of the three and a half years of of the first part of the uh, tribulation where the temple's rebuilt and so on. Now he's going to be attacking that place. If you look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, it says he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will stop to, uh, excuse me, put a stop to the sacrifices and offerings. And the abomination of desolation will be on the wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. See, he's going to do what he can until Jesus steps back on the scene. Now all these verses here, Daniel 8.25, Daniel 11.36-37, Daniel 9.27, all these verses tell us that the Antichrist is going to break his seven-year covenant with the Jews. Three and a half years are good, three and a half terrible years. Well, I shouldn't say good, I should say peace, okay? At this time, the Antichrist is going to enter the newly constructed temple, and he's going to walk into the Holy of Holies, where the throne of God is, where David's throne is, and he's going to set it up on that throne. He's going to set up on Jesus' throne, and he's going to desolate it. And he's going to declare himself God. He's going to demand worship from everybody that remains on earth. He's going to demand that they bow down. And there's going to come a time when you're going to have to have the mark of the Antichrist in order to do anything. And if you don't have that mark set upon you, you're going to be destroyed. 
He's going to declare himself to be God. He's going to desecrate the Jewish temple. Now we've had the pairing. Uh, Pastor told you about the abilities, and I told you a little bit about the abomination and how uh, brutal and, 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 and terrible uh, th- this uh, man's going to be. But Jesus is going to step back on the throne, uh, back on the scene. And we're going to have the afflictions of the Antichrist. And when Jesus comes back, it's going to be sudden. And Daniel 8.25 says, Yet will he be shattered, not by human hands. You know, even today, we don't have the power within us, personally, except Jesus Christ, to stand against Satan, to stand against the Antichrist. Not by human hands. Jesus is going to step back on the scene, and he's going to... Uh, defeat the Antichrist. His kingdom is going to be overthrown. And it's going to be a supernatural defeat. In Revelations 19.20, it says, But the beast was taken prisoner, along with him the false prophet, who had performed the signs in his presence. Both of them were thrown alive in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. See, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to take them. They're going to be judged and thrown in the lake of fire. Alive. When, when God judges this man, he's going to do it swiftly and he's going to do it harshly. And they're going to get what they deserve. See, like I said before, we read the end of the book, we know how it ends. And the defeat of the Antichrist is sure. This is going to be a serious time in Revelation 19, 20, it says, But the beast was taken prisoner along with him, the false prophet, who had performed signs in his presence. Both of them were thrown alive in the lake of fire. Notice that the verse, that says, the verse says, Antichrist will enter the lake of fire alive. You know what? Those that don't accept Christ as their Savior, those that haven't trusted in Christ, one day will end up there as well. You know, if we're, if we're secure in our salvation, you know, amen for that. But there, we have loved ones, friends, family that don't know Christ as their Savior. And that's who we should be afraid for. Because one day, and this is as real as it gets, one day if, the, if people don't accept Christ as their Savior, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And just like with the Antichrist and the false prophet, it's going to be swiftly... And it's going to be harshly. Then as we go on, a thousand years later, Satan himself is going to be judged and condemned to the lake of fire. And when he's thrown in, the Bible tells us that the beast is still there. That the false prophet, they're still there. See, in spite of this man's abilities, in spite of the authority given to the Antichrist... In spite, in spite of his greatness, in spite of the fact that he received the worship of men, he's still defeated. He's still defeated. He's still put down. You want to know why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You need to keep that close to your heart. And whenever we, we're fearful or, or we, we get down and discouraged, we need to keep that close to our hearts. Because Christ is greater than he. See, while he was ruling the world with great power, he was nothing more than a puppet 
in the hand of God. See, God, God's using him. God is using him. See, once, once the church is raptured out and, and, and God turns back towards uh, the nation of Israel, he's using the Antichrist to bring them back to where they need to be. And of course, we know those that don't believe, those that don't come back, uh, we know the end there. We need to remember that the Antichrist is just a pawn in God's hand, fulfilling a divinely directed purpose. This man finds himself on the wrong side of God. See, here's the thing this morning. We need to make sure that we're not on the wrong side of God. We need to make sure, we need to endeavor to reach our friends and family and make sure that they're not on the wrong side of God. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor and let him finish Thank up you, here. Thank you, Brother John. Good job. You know, we may wonder, what does all this have to do with us? Okay, we hear what the Bible has to say about the Antichrist, and I guess the ultimate question is, so what? Well, you know what difference it makes? If you are a born-again believer, and you have trusted Christ as your Savior, ultimately in the end for you, it doesn't make any difference. You're going to be gone. Things are going to be well with you. But I'm here today to tell you this. If you're here today and you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, this is what you have to look forward to. This is what your loved ones that don't know Christ have to look forward to. This is what a world that does not know Christ has to look forward to. So I hope and pray that as we study just briefly this morning, and we're wrapping this thing up, we can go ahead and have our band get ready. As we're wrapping this thing up today, and as we've studied just briefly about the Antichrist this morning, I hope it stirs you a little bit as it stirred Daniel. When Daniel got this vision from, from the Lord, some of the interpretation, the Bible says in Daniel 8 that it made him sick for days. He fainted, he was troubled, and it disturbed him. As we study these end time things, personally for me, for me personally, I know it's going to be okay and I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be with the Lord. Christians will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be having a wonderful time in heaven. But for those that don't know Him, that will be left behind, that do not know Christ as their Savior, it would literally, literally be a time of pure hell on earth. Satan will have the reign. For a short season. We don't want our friends, our loved ones, co-workers, neighbors to experience that. So hopefully and prayerfully as we study this, it should drive us to the place where we want to share the gospel more and more and more with those don't, that don't know. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I don't know where you are today in your walk with the Lord. But I do want you to know the next thing to take place on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. I hope you're ready. Preacher, how do I get ready? You get ready simply by admitting that you're a sinner. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. 
He's now seated by the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us. And you call out to Him and ask Him to be your Lord and your Savior and repent of your sins. If you haven't done that today, my prayer is you do that. For those that have already made that prayer and already entered into that relationship, I hope this study motivates you some to get serious about serving God and then get motivated about sharing the gospel with those around you. Father, we give this time to you. We pray, dear God, that you would speak to hearts, Lord, like only you can. Lord, if there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, my prayer is that right now they would ask you into their heart, repent of their sins, seek forgiveness that only comes from you, and trust you as their Savior. For the believer that's here that's already done that, I pray that as we study this and we get a little bit of understanding of what the end time will look like, May this motivate us to live for Christ with more diligence than we ever have before. To be more deliberate in sharing the gospel than we ever have before. Help us to be ready to be able to witness to that one that you bring across our path this week. Father, whatever decision needs to be made here today, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all stand together. They're going to come and lead us in this song. If you'd like someone to pray with you, I'm going to ask Brother John Pratt, if you will, to go down to the front. He'll be at the front here to pray with you. We'll have some at the back as well if you'd just like to slip out and go to the back for prayer. We will make it as easy as possible for you to come to the Lord. Well, let's just sing together. If you're ready, if you know the Lord is your Savior, I don't want you to live in fear. Live by faith. May it motivate us to share the gospel. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.